This is AT Conversations. You can listen to the back catalogue at architecturetoday.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Hi, I'm Isabel Allen, editor of Architecture Today. My guests today are Christiana Kyra, a partner at White Architecture, and Ewan Graham, who's a partner at Hawkins Brown. They are both specialists in healthcare architecture and currently working together on designs for Cambridge Children's Hospital, which is the first purpose-built hospital to integrate children's mental and physical health care. So, Kyra, can you tell me first a little bit about your experience of working in healthcare environments and how the two of you came to be working together? Yes, thank you, Isabel. Um, so we have just, um, at White Architecture, we have just delivered um, the Queen Sylvia Children's Hospital in Gothenburg in Sweden. The first patients uh, started to move, the, move in a um, couple of months ago. Um, and we also delivered a mental health clinic uh, that was inaugurated at the end of last year. And it also includes um, children, quite large children and adolescent unit. So these two projects are... Um, um, have just been completed and um, when the, uh, the opportunity came to, uh, to work on the Cambridge Children's Hospital, uh, we, um, we um, started to, to talk with Hawkins Brown on how to, um, if, to, to, to collaborate together on this project and to, to bring together our knowledge um, on mental health and physical health uh, for children together with them uh, so that we could contribute um, to prepare this very unique scheme in Cambridge. So um, our collaboration started uh, very much um, at the end of last year when we um, 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 took contact with each other and, um, and, and, and created this, this team, this uh, joint team for the Cambridge project. So Ewan, tell me about Hawkins Brown's experience in this sphere and what you as a practice bring to the Cambridge project. Hawkins Brown come from a slightly different angle. Um, we have a, a really long track record of delivering a lot of education projects, specifically in the higher education sphere. Um, but over the last sort of 10 to 15 years, a lot of those projects have been at the fringes of healthcare. So um, for example, we're currently delivering on site um, the Institute of Neurology for UCL. Um, and within that is the new headquarters for um, the UK Dementia Research Institute and a substantial outpatient and diagnostic facility for University College London Hospital. And it's a, it's a translational facility. And, and yes, our client is a, a higher education institute, but um, the focus is really on finding through basic research um, the causes or, or, or genetic reasons why dementia and all of the associated neurological diseases are there. And then through clinical trials and through drug discovery, finding potential therapies, and then long term, hopefully providing therapy. So designing buildings that are adaptable and flexible enough that over their lifespan, they can go from finding the cause of to the treatment of and then hopefully closing that loop and, and doing the sort of full translational benefit and saying, well, okay, whilst we're doing the therapy, how does that inform uh, the next branch of research? Because research never stops standing still. So we've done a few projects a bit like that. Um, the UCL one 
fairly substantial, um, high high priced. Um, as a result of that, uh, our recognition in central London for delivering sort of very difficult and complex planning um, schemes, so places where heritage environments or tight urban context or structural complexity um, comes to the fore. So we're working with guys in St. Thomas's and we've just submitted a planning application for an extension to the Evelina Hospital, working with um, Buig UK as, as a, a developer client um, to deliver a, a sort of generic shell and core building that is then going to be fitted out by others. So there's a, a bit of sort of crossover. And frankly, the, the opportunity at Cambridge um, came about through our structural engineering colleagues. So I, I should give a little kudos to Rambol, um, Scandi engineers um, who we worked with at UCL and uh, guys in St Thomas's. And I was asking them. I said, "Who could we? Who could we find? Who could we talk to that does the mental health?" And Christiana and her colleagues at White came forward, and we we had some very interesting front end conversations about sort of ethos and um, approach to architecture and a kind of social agenda. And it felt like such a good fit. So we decided to team up. But but our real um, what what we bring to the sort of Cambridge Children's Party is really an understanding of the context uh, in the UK, um, specifically that translational benefit, because the Cambridge Children's Brief is really, I mean, it's mind-blowingly ambitious. So it comes with research as the primary agenda for Cambridge University, so they're part funding. It comes with the mental care from um, the, the, the he- mental health side of the practitioners. It comes with the acute care from the hospital itself. It comes with their partners. So it's hugely complex. It's hugely ambitious. And they, they really want to change the way that things are done. So ours is one of sort of matching the stakeholder engagement, understanding sort of who does what, and looking after the sort of experience of delivering adaptable buildings that can really change and flex to, to meet those requirements. Whereas uh, Christiana and her, her team in uh, Sweden are really helping us to drive forward the sort of what is world leading, what is innovative in terms of the ward care and in terms of the sort of um, the clinical approach. Because actually, if you wanted just run of the mill, here's a, here's a British hospital We'd, we'd have probably gone with somebody who was mm-hmm. one of the mill British hospital designers. And, and it's a really, I don't know, I don't, Chris, Chris, I don't know your thoughts, but we, I think we find very, very interesting common ground. But where we have different views, it, it really starts to bounce ideas because actually we're not a traditional healthcare architecture firm. And, and it's fair to say we're sort of learning our way through the bigger scale of hospital buildings, for example. Um, but at the same time, we bring the sort of commerciality of this and say, well, actually, we do this all the time in healthcare, in, in sort of higher education projects. Why don't we let some of that learning come across? Christiana, does that free you up in a way, having that support of Hawkins Brown? I can see this team as an ideal team for bringing innovation to a project because we have a very strong local knowledge, UK-specific knowledge. We have a fantastic healthcare planner company called MJ Medical that are actually writing down the brief together with the clinicians. And then we have Hawkins Brown, which is a UK-leading architect with a strong focus on design qualities. Um, And then we have um, ourselves, White, with this... Um, international and global um, background of healthcare architecture. Um, 
And um, discrimination to be both local and global at the same time is actually the way to bring in innovation into this project. We need to find new ways to deliver new type of spaces that haven't been done before. Um, and to do that, you have to be, you cannot rely on any standards. We had a couple of weeks ago, a webinar arranged by Architects for Health, where we compared the Scandinavian architecture, healthcare architecture with UK architecture. And um, after having worked in the UK now for a few months together with Ewan and his team, my understanding, and also it was one of the conclusions of the webinar is that in, in Scandinavia, we, um, we rely very much on dialogue and um, with stakeholders and users, uh, and we don't have that amount of standards and policies that are actually forcing you into specific solutions. I will just give an example, a very clear example. There is a, um, a book called Adaptable, Repetable Rooms, Patient Rooms, so it's produced by the NHS which gives you actually a complete set of format and shape and sizes for a mental health room. And we don't have that type of catalogs in Scandinavia. We have recommendations, we have um, evidence-based um, concept diagrams and reports that uh, give you guidelines and help and support when you start to draw things and design things. But then you do that applied into a context with a specific client, with a specific user group. And that enables architects and also clients to be more investigating innovation. When the recommendation becomes a standard, there is a huge risk. The first risk is that if there is a small mistake in the standard, that will be repeated hundreds of times because nobody's going to question that detail anymore. The second thing is that how do you work with innovation when you have standards? It takes years to, to change a standard. Uh, it's very long bureaucratic processes. And now in this specific case, when we have to create an, an environment that is both feasible for mental and physical health, how do we achieve that type of special environment when there are no standards for that? Yeah. So I think this is a, a, a kind of issue. Um, and um, we, we, it, 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 it explains somehow uh, why schemes look like they do, because they are based, I start to understand now, they are based on very clear idea of how things should be working. Um, but it has some limitations. Another factor that is quite relevant in the UK at the moment, I think, is the fire issue. Um, it, are, it is a very important element, of course, in, in planning public buildings like these. Um, and in Sweden, um, the regulation or Scandinavian, the fire regulation is also very strict, but it enables us, for example, to bring in timber construction into a healthcare environment in a very large scale. Um, and that is a huge difference to the UK, as I understand it now. So there are some things that need to be challenged a little bit, I think. We have an ambitious building programme and we have an urgent need for facilities. And how do we balance that very bespoke approach with efficiency and speed? When you start looking at hospitals, and, and I guess the reason that... Um, we have standards uh, is because it makes it a bit easier for people to say, oh, we know what that is. That's a that's a diagnostic room. That's an outpatient facility. That's a, a treatment. That's a triage. That's a dirty utility. That's a whatever. Um, and, and they come with known entities. So 
on the one hand, you have you have this real ability to say, okay, well, we we know what we're getting for our investment, and and that's good, and that's proper, and it's right. But actually, where Chris and I have collaborated um, is a phenomenally different approach. It's a there's an aspiration. We 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 want to do better. We want to change the way in which this type of facility, specifically for children and adolescents, provides support to its local community, Cambridge and the environs around, because there isn't that epicentre. It, it, it's scattered around Addenbrooke and around the region. And more importantly, we want to do it in a way that's going to change the world. So we want to do it on a global platform so that everybody can see it. And and yes, that we, we've seen it across the board. So not just Cambridge, lots and lots of other hospitals are becoming world leaders. They're, they're innovative because they're being told they have to. For this level of investment, they have to raise their game. They have to do things differently. This is AT Conversations. You can listen to the back catalogue at architecturetoday.co.uk forward slash podcast. When you set your brief as this is going to change the way we do things, you have to be brave. And if our clients are brave, it requires brave architecture that's going to respond to that. I mean, I thought I talked about bravery from clients. I mean, this this is really brave. So one of the key performative requirements of the, the submission was a couple of interviews with a, a panel of selected children. So there, there's a support community at Adambrooks that has a, a young persons group, and, and they call them young young leaders, um, and they range in ages. But but there was an interview that was done for all of the bidding parties um, with the children, um, and totally different to how uh, your usual architectural interview goes. So it was, okay, hello, we are so-and-so, so-and-so, we're, we're here to present to you. Okay, that's great. But what we're going to do is we're going to set the agenda. So they told us what they wanted us to do. They explained that they would like us to, on, on a Zoom call, so kind of five of us in a room um, in different parts of London and, and the surrounding counties and Scandinavia, um, responding back to a need for these children to shout things out to us that they think should be in a hospital. And I mean, it ranged from a swimming pool to a giant horse to a book that covered the whole thing. And we had to produce a sketch in, in three minutes and then hold it up and then scan it and send it to them so that they could mark it. And I mean, thankfully, we haven't seen our competitors' sketches. We, we've only seen what we produced. Um, but but genuinely, that that informed then... Um, our final interview, which was with the clinical directors and the program team and, and the, the, the estates department and everything else. And we made a few changes and we made a few uh, hand sketches that built on our two-minute sketch and said, look, this is what, this is what your, your users, your, your, your group of people that are going to come and be in the building want to see. Now, clearly, we might not make the roof be a ginormous book, but – the fact that you can respond to people and you take away the shackles of standards and you say, do you know what, for a minute, let's just park the, the, the mundanity of kind of making a technical performance exercise happen and, and, and insert into it a bit of joy, a bit of fun, a bit of entertainment. And it builds bridges so quickly because you can then start to talk to people about, okay, so you asked about a swimming pool. What was, what was the reason for that? Oh, well, I'm fed up of sitting in my room and I'd really like somewhere to go and exercise that's safe because at the moment I can't. Wow. Okay. 
that's a fundamental for the project. We need to enable exercise in a safe way. And that came from somebody who had suffered with mental health issues. So yeah, we, we, we attend webinars, we go to sessions and everybody talks about biophilia and activity and health and well-being. But you, you wind that all back and you say, okay, well, you've got a child who's no older than 15 telling you, I feel better when I've done some exercise. It cuts through it so quickly and tells you that actually you, you really just need to design these buildings around people. We, we, we think that children like certain things. And then when you start to talk to them, you realize that actually our idea of what is child-centric design is, is our own imagination is not really corresponding to them. So one thing we have um, understood uh, from our workshops, first of all, is that um, in the patient rooms, they wanted to have um, the possibility themselves to make the rooms personalized. So they asked us actually to produce rooms that are very mild in colors and very, very actually low, um, low stimuli in design so that it fits both to adolescents and small children and girls and boys. Because uh, we don't, of course, we don't have any, that's another difference to the UK, we don't have gender segregation in Sweden. So the wards are mixed boys and girls and and to, to, to produce in the room a lot of features where patients actually can personalize them rooms, the rooms themselves. They, they can get um, paintings and artworks uh, in, in a certain uh, storage space in the play therapy department and put their own pictures in the room. They can put their own books in the room, take them from the library. They can make the room with their own blankets to become more like a home. For children in this age, in this in this um, time where we live, the digital aspect of being connected to the outside world is so important. So most of our children, especially teenagers, they are just expecting the hospital to be without doors, to be connected with school, with friends, with the life that is happening outside without any limit. And you might think this is obvious. But it's not obvious in hospitals. It's not obvious that you can access a Wi-Fi that is open to everyone. It's quite interesting to see these these factors that have uh, measurable effects on uh, the well-being of patients um, do actually reduce stress, uh, reduce aggression. You can measure really that um, that cases of um, aggression or um, um, overreacting patients or agitated patients do actually decrease in this type of environment. And on the on the second step, the um, uh, the outcome for the staff becomes much better. I mean, staff um, the sick the leave um, days for sick leave days for staff have been reduced uh, because the atmosphere, the working atmosphere, the working environment becomes much better for stuff as well. Single rooms is one of the most important elements. And why of that is because of the privacy and integrity and the opportunity for patients, especially when they are not feeling very well, to just retreat, to be alone, to close their door and be for themselves. And this aspect of giving a patient um, their, their own private room to rest to sleep well, and to be alone where you don't feel like interacting with others is a way of giving a patient a self-esteem to increase the self-esteem and the respect to the patient. Another aspect is the outdoor environment to be able to come out and experience um, fresh air and the seasons and uh, the light during the day. Uh, in mental health facilities, 
that the length of stay is quite long compared to physical health. You can stay in these facilities for 10 days, 15 days, you can go out and then come back again. And these facilities become like a second home for many patients. So we need to take care of that. Another aspect is this provision of social spaces or day spaces. A very clear indication is that it's not the amount of square meters so day spaces that is important, but that you have a freedom to choose to be in larger groups and smaller groups or alone. So this freedom, the, a design that supports autonomy and self-choice so that we are, when you are in a ward, that you are allowed to be alone or to step out and be in smaller groups or be in larger groups. And if possible, go out into the outdoor space or just leave the ward and go for a walk in the forest. That is actually the best way to support um, self-promotion and actually um, autonomy, patient autonomy, and build up your self-confidence so that you you can leave the hospital as soon as possible. Because we we shouldn't forget that, just to go back to your question you had before, how can we afford all of this? There is a huge uh, need of new hospitals, uh, not only in the UK, but everywhere. And it's because the Healthcare provision has been changing throughout the years. We have larger operating theaters. We have completely diff- different diagnostic and treatment methods. We need to have much more um, single patient rooms, a higher hygienic standards, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Most of our hospitals are updated. We need to build new ones, and the only way to afford that is to put a lot of primary care and simpler chronical healthcare outside of hospitals. So the only way to do this is to build brand new hospitals that are very much focused on what has to be done in hospital. And everything that can be done outside of hospitals in primary care settings, at home settings, in in other type of environment that is close to patients in the community has to be done there. And then create this seamless connection, digital connection between the hospital and the rest of the healthcare system so that a doctor, a specialist can be connected all the time wherever the patient is, but not the patient doesn't need to come to the hospital all the time. And the hospital only provides the high-tech specialized care. This is the only key of finding an affordable way of building hospitals, but also to afford healthcare. Because I mean, hospitals are expensive, yes, but what is really expensive is the healthcare provision. And we need to support that with a new generation of buildings. Christiana Kyra, you and Graham, thank you both so much for joining me today. You've been listening to 80 Conversations with me, Isabel Allen. You can subscribe free of charge at architecturetoday.co.uk forward slash podcasts.